friends, it's Lisa Mason Ziegler, and welcome back to the Field and Carden podcast. I'm just really glad you're here. Today, I have another pre-recorded episode of The Flower Farmer Show. The topic I chat about this week is improving efficiencies. And, you know, once you've mastered maybe the, you know, getting in the door of flower farming, then you start working on your techniques, right? And that speeds you up. That makes you more profitable. It just affects everything. So in this episode, that's what I'm talking about. But I do want to share that I did not talk about one of my sunflower efficiency tips. And so I'll be giving you that at the end of the episode. So don't miss it. Hi, friends. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Lisa. How you doing? I am good. Good. Thanks so much for joining me here. And um, <clears throat> as we're loading up, Jesse, I thought maybe um, if you want to review out of the gate how they can ask questions that I'll answer at the end, and then we ought to probably, we'll do that again. Maybe I'll pause and let you do that again during the, the talk. questions or coming up on the stage in Clubhouse is to raise your hand, which is the little hand icon at the bottom of your screen there. Um, But if you um, are not wanting to come on stage, you have a question, let's say maybe you can't talk right now, um, you can now use the back channel feature to ask questions. And so what uh, you would want to do for that is it's basically a texting feature. You would go down to the bottom where you see the little paper airplane icon, and you can tap on that, and it should pull up, um, you know, uh, a new screen that shows one of those little um, start a post icons. It's you know a little uh, square with the with the pencil in it, and if you tap that, then you should be able to um, find me on there. And then uh, I think I'm under Jesse Graven, it looks like. And so if you start typing my name in, it should pull up a little screen for you to be able to ask me a question. And so the way that we've been doing it is that uh, while Lisa is chatting and uh, going over her topic, um, if questions start to come in and then, um, you know, towards the end of the show, we'll start answering those questions and I will just relay uh, whatever comes to me via back channel to her so that she can get you your answers. So uh, appreciate having everyone here today and uh, looking forward to another great chat. Thank you, Jesse. So, and you can also request to come up. We don't want to discourage folks from doing that. We love to have um, folks come up and ask their questions, and we are recording these clubhouse sessions now, and um, just so you are aware of that. And to ask to come up on the stage, you just tap the little hand at the bottom and we'll get there. So um, I also want to remind everybody that if you tap the little green house, which is at the top of the page, that'll put you in our flower farming group, which means you'll be alerted whenever we have any um, events coming up. Um, and also to invite all of you to join our new closed Facebook group, which is called the Flower Farmer Show. That's where I get my topics from that are suggested there by folks just like you. And um, so we'd love to have you join us over there also. 
So the topic that I was requested to chat just a little bit about today was about improving efficiency because sometimes it's just the smallest little tips and tricks that totally change um, how you do something. So I'll I'll give you this tip that I think um, perhaps may even have spurred this request. Um, I do Facebook lives in my student alumni groups. Those are people that have taken my online courses. Um, we have a special closed group for them, and I pop in there often to do impromptu um, lives showing them how I'm doing different stuff in the garden, like, oh, wow, I'm doing this. I bet you they would benefit, and I'll jump on and do a live. So last week or the week before, um, I jumped on to talk about harvesting Miss Burns lemon basil and how I do it. And I just happened to mention that I find that harvesting with my right hand side going down the bed um, really makes me more efficient. So that means that if I'm standing at the head of a bed because I'm a righty, I start on the left side of the bed going down, which makes my right hand closest to what I'm harvesting. And I can't tell you how much quicker of a harvester I am from that. Um, And one of my students said, oh, my gosh, that's like now I know why I'm not going, you know, I'm not as good when I go down certain beds in a certain way. So that's one just little example of sometimes just learning a little tip like that can really change it um, for you. So the other thing that as we're heading into Um, planting cool flowers and um, just having come and still in the warm season, I tend to plant my gardens um, in blocks of beds. And what that I'm trying to say with that is that, for instance, cool flowers, um, we'll have about 10 beds of cool flowers, and those 10 beds will be side by side in one area of a garden together. And that really suits for efficiency in a lot of things, including, you know, rotating your crops and such. But I just find that I am much more focused Um, And we don't forget anything when one succession of plantings are typically grouped together. Now, that gets a little crazy sometimes in the middle of summer, especially now in my situation. We do have extra room available most often. When we were in high production, I mean, we were using every square inch of farmland that we had. Um, so that sunflower rotation that back then we were planting 1,200 sunflower transplants a week, it can get a little dicey. When you plant in blocks with beds together, you tend to not do things like miss cutting something. That just happened to us last week um, because we do have one succession spread over two different areas. It happened, y'all. But sometimes that's not always possible if you're really squeezed for for space. Um, but I find that in general, I put my succession planting groups together in blocks of beds. The sunflower successions, however, oftentimes are plugged in wherever they can go. So I'm not suggesting that they all have to stay 
with that group. Um, harvesting is a, an area where you can really lose a lot of time and a lot of opportunity. Um, first off, I'm a little crazy on harvest days. Um, oftentimes for us here in southeastern Virginia, we're either racing the heat or rain's coming. Both of those, I feel like I have cinder blocks sitting on my shoulders until we get the job done because the way that we sold flowers, all of our flowers were always sold. Um, so it's like if for some reason you don't finish or you can't get your harvest done because of weather, you got a big problem. You know, there is no day to make up. You know, every day was scheduled out with either cutting, then selling, um, then farm working, and then all over again, cutting, then selling. Um, so efficiency in your harvesting process um, can really be beneficial. And I've done all kinds of different things through the years. When we were in high production, um, which was the most pressure of all, um, it was not uncommon for either myself or one other person to show up before the rest of the crew did. And that crew came at 6 a.m. in the morning to get all the buckets prepared. You know, when you have to um, fill 60 buckets and get all the conditioner, you know, CVBN tablets or whatever you're using into the buckets, I mean, that can take time. That way people arrive at work, they can um, and head right into what their job is. Um, the next thing that was really um, a mess for us, I can remember back in the very beginning, I used a, a wagon that, in fact, my mom and my sister, this was before Suzanne worked with me, um, they bought me a wagon to put my buckets in. It held like six buckets. And that was just such an improvement over what I was currently doing. Um, but it didn't take long once my volume began to um, really climb that the the loss of time of dragging that bucket, which took energy, back to where the flowers needed to go, reload and come back out. You know, you may not think that that five to ten minutes is significant, but when the temperature is climbing to 98 degrees, let me tell you, every minute counts. So I would really suggest to you that your harvesting um, wagon, golf cart, trailer, whatever you're using, um, just keep in mind that if you're having to make multiple trips, that is cutting into your time. Um, and if, unless you have employees, some, a second person that can do you, do that for you. And that's in fact what, um, we kind of did because as our farm grew, we were harvesting in different areas on the farm. Even though my whole farm is only, it's less than three acres. <clears throat> um, we still had different groups of people cutting in different areas, which meant we need multiple um, transporters, right? And so you're, what you're using can certainly change. And I want to, I'm kind of want to point that out because sometimes for me, it is really hard to even consider that. It's like, oh, I bought this XYZ last year or the year before. Of course, I'm going to keep using it. I paid for it, right? Well, maybe it's time to either sell it, move it on to some other use. If it's time for you to move up, we were using um, two trailers 
like landscapers use, um, big, long black trailers um, that we actually, believe it or not, we tried to, we've made covers to go on them so that those flowers would be out of the sun. We used hoe handles that were damaged that we couldn't sell, stuck them in the holes, and then literally had sheets rubber banded to them to create canopies. Um, so that what that did for us was allowed us to fill one trailer and take it out to the field, and nobody was running back and forth unloading buckets. Um, we were able to go out there and focus on cutting them, and it all came in at one time. And this brings me to another point. Um, we do not carry buckets. Buckets are never taken off of the harvest trailer. Um, the trailer or the golf cart, which is what I use now, or Bobo uses a pull wagon or a pull cart, um, those carts sit at the end of the row, um, and because, first off, water weighs eight pounds, one gallon does, and that may not sound like much to you either, but moving a bunch of different buckets a bunch of different times unnecessarily wears your energy down. And then when they're full of flowers, they really get heavy. I mean, coxcomb and sunflowers are enormously heavy. So nobody carried buckets down rows. Um, in fact, we felt like we harvested as much as we can harvest into our hand. And then as we're walking to the buckets, we're actually trimming, evening up the flowers that we have placed into our hands evenly with the blooms at the top. So there's no shuffling of the flowers. We're cutting as we're walking to the bucket. And for me personally, that's the time that for just those little bit of seconds, my back is upright. It's kind of a stretching moment. Um, we have also made use of runners. If you're if you're a high volume person or you're harvesting a lot of heavy flowers or maybe you have somebody helping you that's not knowledgeable enough yet, you haven't trained them to cut, they can be what's called a runner. That means that they come and take your flowers and take them to the bucket so you can nonstop cut. Um, I had runners for, I was the primary coxcomb cutter back when we were producing so much. Um, and our coxcomb was really heavy, but I could only hold like five to eight stems in my hand. If I had to stop and walk to the bucket each time, that would have been a waste of time. And if you think me taking the bucket would have been helpful, that in fact would not have worked. That bucket gets so heavy with those flowers. That's why we leave them on the trailers. It helps people's backs. So perfecting your harvest style um, and the way you go about it, I mean, just thinking through these little simple things can really be a huge time saver. And so I want to tell you that I use um, cut flower shears to cut with, and then there's people that use knives. And both of us think ours is the best way. I mean, if you ever want to have a throwdown with somebody, if you are a sheer person, talk to a knife person as you both try to convince the other one that yours is better. It's really kind of funny to me. Um, but it doesn't matter what you use. It's what you are comfortable with and what you get efficient with. Um, I am a super fast sheer cutter. Um, and, you know, it's just what I use a really small, it's actually a bonsai shear is what I use. You can find it on our website, um, thegardenersworkshop.com. Um, but it's really small. And um, as I aged, I, I fell away from Felco's 
um, number twos to these because they were just much, much lighter in my hand. Um, so what you harvest with is just not as important as how efficient you get with it, right? Um, so the next thing I want to just touch on is another reason that I just insist that we leave all the buckets on the trailer. Um, my method is that the buckets are placed on the trailer empty. They're then filled with their water, measured and filled in them, and put the CVB and tablets in them, and then it goes to the field. Those buckets are not moved again until they're going to be picked up and moved to the place that they're going to stay, which would be inside of our building on some raised um, tables, or actually low tables, um, where they'll be pulled from or made into bunches or whatever's going to happen. Y'all, buckets get really heavy, and um, first off, you don't want people lifting more heavy stuff than they have to. It's hot. We're all tired. This just makes the job super easy for everybody. And then my one last tip that I wanted to share is that I get asked really often, do my beds run north-south or east-west? And I don't know if my answer is correct or not, but it's what I do. I don't really even think about that consideration. I 100% lay out my gardens, or my gardens are now laid out, for the most efficient so that I can drive a trailer or whatever we're harvesting with across the head and get to all of our beds. This also makes for really easy irrigation layout. Um, and it's all about saving space, saving steps getting the most out of your space, narrow pathways. So all the beds are typically all going the same way. They're all the same length. They're all the same width um, so that everything is interchangeable from netting to row cover to everything. Um, so those are just some of the things that have just really, really helped me. Um, I can remember that first wagon that Suzanne and my mom bought for me. It was such a help when I got it, but I can remember as I began growing stuff, I actually was coxcomb, I can remember, it doesn't seem like that wagon should be so hard to pull, but after you've been cutting and it's hot and you have a little incline to your land, I can remember pulling that wagon back to the building where I was, or exactly it was a carport, um, was killing me. Um, and that's when Stevie got me a small wagon that could hook to our riding mower. I mean, y'all, you just take baby steps and get up to what it, what you need to take to make yourself more efficient in everything that you do. But in harvesting, I think we're dead in the middle of the harvest season, and um, hopefully those help somebody. So I see somebody has their hand raised. So I'm going to ask Ben to come up and see what he has to say hi, Ben. Hi, guys. You all right? How are you? Yes, good, good. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, I'm a British Ulstromary grower here near Brighton on the south coast of England in the UK, and we harvest millions and millions of stems every year, so our time is precious. <laughs> and um, the one thing that we've done is we converted some old uh, troughs, like you would find on farms or in the countryside, uh, just put those on wheels so the trough can be filled with water. So that goes along your 
paths uh, in between your paths or your flower beds and you literally harvest your crop they go straight into water and because it's on wheels you can wheel thousands of stems into your processing unit and uh, that's a real big time saver so talking about no buckets yes but you still want your flowers to go in water get processed and into storage as quick as and efficiently as you can to preserve them because that's the whole point of buying local and, and in my case buying british that your flowers gonna last longer so um time is really really key to get them from soil to storage and we get our stems from soil to storage easily in the, in under five minutes um just keeping it nice and efficient but yeah just picking up on that no bucket thing is yeah if you can find some old troughs uh, convert those into metal frames put wheels on the metal frames i've got some pictures of those on my instagram and uh, yeah it's just a really quick tip trick and hack to uh to get those flowers yes direct into water and just wheel them straight in ben thank you so much that is such a good tip i had never thought of doing something like that now tell me do you grow everything indoors under glass or or do you have some out in the field too no so again if, if you look on the instagram uh we've got acres and acres of uh, glass houses and they are sustainably biomass heated uh, through the winter months again i'm on the south coast of the uk so it doesn't get that cold here uh, and the alstrom area grown in the uk it's very sustainable anyway because we only water for 20 minutes once a month in the winter and 20 minutes every 10 days in the summer and it only needs about 13 degrees centigrade uh, through the winter's night. And uh, we use local um, biomass wooden pellets from local sustainable woodlands as well. So, yeah, we're large scale, but it's even more important whether you're on a small scale or a large scale. Uh, time is of the essence. Um, obviously, here in the UK, we don't get a lot of money also for our crop. So time is also is also money as well. So um, really, really important. Well, thank you for bit Ben for sharing. That's a great idea. So thanks for coming up and um and joining us here. So Jesse, do we have any other questions? Hello. Sorry about that. It's okay. <laughs> um, so um, we haven't received any questions on the back channel yet. Just as a reminder, in case anyone joined late, um, if you for whatever reason, do not want to raise your hand and come up to ask your question. You can also now um, click the little uh, paper airplane looking symbol um, at the bottom there and send me a text message with your question, and then we can answer it that way. Um, so I don't have any yet, but um, loving the efficiency chat, and I, I feel like, um, especially in the middle of the season like this, it can be hard to really focus on that. You're so busy just going, going, going that, you know, it's hard to take the time to think about, is there a way I could do this better? You know, so sometimes it's nice to have a little reminder about that. <laughs> sure. And, you know, um, one of the things, I guess it's been like five or six, seven years ago, um, we decided that, well, actually it's when we, I'm just thinking back, right? I'm, so funny, the things you forget, right? When we were able to purchase that acre and a half that attached to our original property, which, you know, is just so unbelievable in the middle of the city, right, that we were able to do that. Well, when we had built my work building, 
we actually had put garage doors on both sides of the building like that ultimately we did it for cross ventilation because in fact before we owned the land next door there was only 10 feet from the end of my building to where the property line was so you really didn't have room um, to like drive through the building per se say with the trailer you know to unload the flowers right next to where they would ultimately go so when we bought that land, that was the first thing that we just really realized. It's like, oh my gosh, thank goodness we put that those two doors on either side of the building as a cross ventilation um, opportunity. But now we could actually literally drive whatever or pull or whatever our harvest trailers into that building um, to offload because. I mean, it really, I guess, depends on what your focus of your crop is. But for us, you know, we were big staple flower growers. And, you know, I grew big standing orders for commercial farm, uh, commercial florist, and we did supermarket accounts. And that meant that we just never had enough coxcomb. We never had enough sunflowers. I mean, we grew tons of Lizzie and all a bunch of different crops and much of it. Our buckets, y'all, were so heavy. Sunflower buckets are enough to kill anybody. And coxcomb, particularly because part of our niche was how tall our product was, um, really, really tall. So when we were able to acquire that property, the next issue was that everything we had at that point was gas-powered. And there was no way, I mean, I understood the potential of gassing literally our flowers with ethylene gas or, so I knew that it wasn't really a choice. We had to, um, I had a tractor, a big tractor, but we had two lawn mowing, riding mowers that pulled those trailers. Um, but I knew that driving them through that building potentially could um, cause harm to our flowers. Um, and so that's what led me to purchase what I use today, which is an electric golf cart. And um, I just want people, I never even thought about one of those before this situation arose, telling y'all that um, she is very peppy and she'll haul a load and she's totally quiet. So if you want to be stellar and sneak up on somebody, she's really good at that. Um, but it makes bringing, I mean, the last few years of our high production, we were able to drive that cart right into the building, right up next to where all the, um, and I'll tell you what our low tables were. These were plastic shelving units like you would see in a big box home store that people would put together to build a shelf, you know, like three feet long and 18 inches wide or something. And it has legs and you just put it all together. Well, we just use those without stacking them. And they're the perfect height. I would guess they're about 18 to 24 inches tall, maybe. Um, and we just had two or three of those. So we have this huge surface that we could then just offload our harvest buckets. Because my biggest goal, I mean, we had a really pecking order of what went where. So they never had to be moved again. Um, you know, when bouquets were either being made, mixed bunches or bunching for florist, um, whatever the job was going to be. So that is just something that um, 
you know, as your business develops and grows, I mean, when, I mean, I know, and y'all, it's just really very exciting to think about. When I first started, I had no building at all to work in. I literally started my seeds in my kitchen and in my pantry. I had a carport on my house where my harvest went. My first members-only market um, program that I started years and, I mean, well, two and a half decades ago um, was on my carport. You know, I didn't have any fancy space to bring people to. Um, and as your business grows and develops, it's just, there's just lots of opportunity of ways to um, just really meet your need. And you don't have to go all out at once. You don't have to spend a ton of money. You just meet your needs where you can and how you do it. So we have somebody that wants to come up. We'll see what um, if we have a question. And so, you know, I just want to encourage folks that <clears throat> are just starting and coming up is what that meant to be. So, hi, do you have a question for us? Hi, yes. Um, so next year I'm going to go into my first season of flower farming. Um, I've been listening to your podcast, so I've been working on this farm for a few years. It's about three and a half acres, but we only cultivate about an acre and a half, and I've been taking care of that by myself for two years. Oh, I have help like uh, once a week for about four hours. So I'm going to take some of our land and I've covered it with some plastic because it's all perennial grass. So I guess one question is if you have any suggestions for converting a perennial grass field into a cultivatable area. And a second question is I'm just not quite sure. I don't have a ton of time. I'm going to keep my job. So I'm only going to be hopefully working eight hours a week on this like 16 or it'll probably end up more than that you always end up doing more than you think but um i'm just wondering how i should be marketing this because i think i'm going to do some flowers for seeds because i think it'll be less harvesting time and i can just kind of let it be till the end of the season when um i have more time and then do about the other half in a cut flower production so i can have cash flow throughout the year i was just wondering um like where you would suggest going for a first-time flower market, like trying to market your flowers. Like should I be going to my local farmer's market, see if I could join up someone there? Should I be contacting local florists? Like what would be your um, idea? So, yeah, sure. the changing perennial grass and first-time marketing. Okay, so um, first I understand the challenge with perennial grass. We um, I'm pretty sure that my death certificate is going to say cause of death is Bermuda grass. Um, Bermuda grass is a perennial weed here, and um, you don't ever eliminate it. You just control it. And, in fact, um, silage tarping, as you mentioned, um, has helped, but it does take a good bit of time. Um, and there's lots of good information out there about that. Um, I would just do maybe some search engine um looking for what you're looking for, um, growingformarket.com, which is a, mar a market newsletter that has great information for veggie and flower farmers, um, and that's the type of information that they kind of um, offer to you, as well as Jenny Love's No-Till Flowers podcast. Um, she has some great blogs about that. I would direct you to that because that is a pretty um, involved process that we can't go into here. Um, and 
an acre and a half is pretty ambitious. I mean, even at my highest production, that's what we produced from. And that was a lot of employees. And, um, you know, we were producing 10 to 15,000 stems of flowers a week. That's a lot. Um, and in this past year, I'm in a different marketing place. Um, we only cultivate less than half an acre and still produce thousands of stems of flowers. Um, I often say that the cause of death in most flower farmers is being a little too ambitious, as we all are, and growing too much. Um, there, if you talk to successful flower farmers, those that just really seem to nail it from the get-go and really had the best process started really small. Yeah, I just wanted to say I'm currently farming an acre and a half by myself in seed production. I'm planning on starting my own uh, flower production next year, just on like a 16th of an acre. That's perfect, because I was going to suggest an eighth of an acre would be ambitious even. I mean, that's like 50 by 100 feet. That's that's a lot of flowers. Um, And you know, again, you just really need to do some research and find out what's in your neck of the woods as far as marketing your flowers. And then I cannot say it enough is to get educated about your business before you start selling um, and to get educated from those that have gone before you successfully. And um, that's something I have a podcast coming out next week talking about the pricing game and how um, that is. It's unique to every person um, in their circumstance, their market, their region, what their business is. Um, you know, there's it's, there's it's, there's just a little bit more to it. Going to a farmer's market might be the simplest out of the gate if you have a market with good foot traffic um, because you can pretty much see what's selling at the market as far as or in your area, the size bouquets and um, what the price is. I always competed with the supermarkets where I was, and that's what I fashioned my um, my farmer's market bouquets after, and then we had some more upgraded sizes. But um, that I would just really recommend that you spend the winter really doing some research, joining the ASCFG. If you're going to make money off of flowers, then you need to get educated by other professionals. Um, and that just makes all the difference in the world. And to really learn about that before you have flowers sitting in a bucket in front of you where you really then get pressured into doing things you might not otherwise um would have not done if you hadn't had the flower sitting there. So thanks for that question. And um, I would just really recommend getting, doing a lot of research. And you need to find out what's in your neck of the woods. If you are near a city that's got a lot of florists, that's a potential. But there's a a real learning curve with doing that as a professional um, to get top dollar for your flowers. So thank you for that question. So I think we're about out of time. Jesse, did you get any questions that we would need to answer? No, not anymore. That was it. Okay. So, friends, I hope maybe a couple of these tips might help you um, in some way. And, you know, these are the kinds of things you think about not when you're out there hot and tired and sweaty, but Maybe, you know, after you're out of the shower and considering your day as you sit on the back porch with a cold drink or something, um, that's when these kind of things come clear. And, you know, talking 
to other farmers and getting educated. So I really thank you. And again, remember, hit the little greenhouse if you'd like to become a part of the Flower Farming Group and you'll get notified when we go live. And you're all invited to join us um, at the Flower Farmer Show closed Facebook group. You just have to answer a couple of questions and we'd love to have you there. So thank you, friends. It was so good to see you. Oh, I almost forgot to invite you. Tomorrow at noon, folks, um, Ellen Frost of Local Color Flowers in Baltimore, Maryland. She is a design studio that only uses locally sourced product. Y'all, she is our perfect customer model. She is taking us inside her design studio as she's heading into a weekend with really big wedding um, or weddings. And all of her farmers would have already delivered. She's going to be showing us what's being delivered. If you have commercial customers, you want your commercial customers to watch this. You want them to see what the potential is from local flower farmers. We're trying to show the florist profession that, you know, Ellen buys year-round, y'all, locally within 100 miles of her shop. And she has a really great business model. So our um, you can find our Facebook page link is at the bottom of our website, thegardenersworkshop.com. You can always find me on Instagram and follow us from over there. Um, but I invite you guys to join us tomorrow to have a look at Ellen's studio. It'll be from 12 to 1230. So let's have lunch together tomorrow, y'all. All right, friends. Ciao. All right, friends. Hope there was some little morsel in there that will help you kind of improve your efficiency, which, you know, I'm the bottom line girl, that it'll improve your bottom line, y'all. Time is money. And we grow flowers. We got started in growing flowers because we love them. We love flowers. We love gardening. We love farming. We love everything about it. But the point of doing it on these kinds of scales means that we want to make a profit and being efficient is a big part of that. And so when I experienced this sunflower tip, I'm going to tell you, I can remember standing on Dave Dowling's farm and he was going to demonstrate how to cut sunflowers. And when he reached up and grabbed the head of the flower with his right hand and took his left hand and stripped every leaf off of that sunflower except for the one very top one. But then, y'all, he didn't cut it. He moved to the next one and did the same thing and the next one and the next one. It wasn't until he had finished stripping all the ones ready to cut that he went back and started cutting and gathering them. Y'all, this was a game changer for me in sunflower harvesting. That just is so many efficiencies. First off, you aren't dry, you aren't wasting time cutting the stem, stripping it in your hand, and then gathering it. You're stripping all those um, leaves off right in the garden where they should stay, right in the bed, and then when you're cutting, you're able to cut more and gather more before you go back to the bucket if you don't have bucket runners. And y'all, this just really, really helped me on so many levels. And I hope it helps you. So friends, I'm glad you joined me here today. And remember, we can connect. You are invited to all of my connections. 
that would be, first off, over on my new closed Facebook group, The Flower Farmer Show. That's where I get the topics for these chats that I have um, from. And also, clubhouses are on Wednesdays at 1 o'clock Eastern Time. You can also join me on Instagram Live on Wednesdays at 1130 Eastern Time, where it is time for Ask a Flower Farmer. I'm answering your questions about growing, managing, selling, the business, and even farm dog questions, y'all. I do my best to answer them. And then, as always, you can join me from the farm on Fridays at Facebook Live at 6 p.m. And friends, we also have a YouTube channel. Join me over on YouTube for many of my resources, and you can find everything right over on thegardenersworkshop.com, our online courses, all of my, the same tools, seeds, and supplies that I use are there on my shop, as well as my books. I would love to autograph a book for you. And um, friends, until we meet again, ciao.